0: So today we're reading uh, part of the story of um, of Hagar, who was um, Abraham's wife Sarah's Egyptian slave. I was struck; she was Egyptian. Egypt comes in and out of the story quite a lot, doesn't it? So this is Genesis chapter 16, uh, starting at verse one. Uh, actually, it's the whole chapter. Uh, And it's on page 16 of the church Bible, if you have it and want to follow it. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So, after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai ill-treated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Lahe Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Ooh, there's lots more people than there was before I
1: turned around <laughs> earlier. I love this. Great. Oh, well, it's great to be sharing with you this morning um, In this series, we've been looking at the names um, and characters that are given to God um, in the Bible. And this week, we're looking at El-Roi, the God who sees. And as we just heard from Helen, this comes from um, the voice of an Egyptian slave woman called Hagar. Um, Now, for the children, I think they're already over there. That's great. But if they want to make a pair of glasses, we're thinking about the God who sees. So hopefully that will occupy them a bit (laughs) so we can talk. So as we heard, Hagar had a pretty rough time of it. She was a slave lady of this lady called Sarai, and her responsibilities were to honor and to serve Sarai. And as we hear in this passage, Hagar gets caught up in the middle of the struggles that Abram and Sarai were having at the time. So Abram had been promised that by God that he would be the father of nations. He would have a son, and that his descendants would be as great as the number of stars in the sky. But after many years of trying, Abraham and Sarai were unable to have a baby, and both were getting old by this time. Uh, So to Sarai, it looked like God's promise wasn't going to happen without her intervention. Um, Who's ever thought of that? God's promise isn't going to happen without me being responsible. Um, It's very easy to think, God, you're in control until I don't think you're in control, and then I'm in control, and I'm going to put myself in that place. But there's a balance, isn't there, between being proactive towards something and taking matters into our own hands. There's a difference there. It would have been very unlikely that Abram and Sarah would have conceived a child if they weren't together. But not seeing the fruit of that um, through the natural means wasn't necessarily a step to, wasn't the right thing to take it a step too far to try and fulfill God's promises by their own means. It's painful to wait I'm very aware of that. Um, It's painful not to feel in control. And it's easy, therefore, to want something so much that you go outside of God's good guidance to get it for yourself. I think this is where Sarai had got to. She'd got to the point where she just couldn't wait for God. She'd encouraged Abram to take her slave Hagar as his wife. And if Hagar could conceive, Hagar's baby would then be considered theirs. Sarah had given up thinking that she could have a child and sought to fulfill God's promises in another way. In her mind, God clearly wasn't going to do it because he hadn't already, so it was up to her. Abraham also clearly thinks this because he does as she asks, and Hagar does become pregnant. Hagar has been able to conceive a child. She had what Sarah had longed for. Hagar was forced by her mistress to have a child with her mistress's husband and was required to obey by her position as a slave. It's hard to kind of think about that in these times really, isn't it? But that's the situation that Hagar was in. She was forced by her position um, to take that place. Back in these times to become pregnant was an honor and it was a sign of God's blessing. So as Hagar achieved what Sarai couldn't, unfortunately Hagar just kind of rubs it in her face really Hagar starts lording it over Sarai and there's this conflict between these two women, one that is really um, wanting to be in control and has forced another to act um, and the other who has gained that blessing but has rubbed it in Sarai's face because Sarai couldn't conceive. We also have a man in the middle of all this who gets blamed for it all (laughs) and I think this is a fantastic example of where part of our humanity has clearly stood the test of time um, for someone to suggest something and then be furious when the person actually does it. Um, I don't know whether you've ever done this, but sort of going on a walk and you say, oh no, you carry on, that's fine, leave me, I'll just go slowly. And then when they actually carry on and leave you alone, (laughs) it's like, how dare you leave me alone? I'm I'm struggling here. But um, anyway, I do feel sorry for men sometimes because i Totally appreciate that's probably more a female thing. There is a logic in there somewhere. Uh, So Sarah gets understandably upset at Hagar's mockery and disrespect, and with Abraham's approval, she treats Hagar really harshly to the point where Hagar runs away. I think it's fair to say that this is a total mess of a situation. A mess that is a result of human nature getting in the way of God's intentions and guidance for how to live. What would have happened if Sarai had actually waited for God's timing? What would have happened if Abram had trusted in God's faithfulness? What would have happened if Hagar had acted with grace and forgiveness? Life's decisions are made up of lots of little decisions, aren't they? Each of which have a knock-on effect. And living for God is bringing all of those little decisions to God, not just the big ones. So not just the big questions of what job should I go for, where should I live, but the day-to-day questions that we ask ourselves, it's bringing God into those, those decisions, seeking him so that he can bring the best out of us and out of those around us. So back to the story, we have this young Egyptian slave woman, she's pregnant, she's on her own, she's run away from, uh, from the family she's meant to be serving, and she's in the wilderness. She's actually, the the place Sure, is on the way back to Egypt. She's trying to run home, basically. And she ends up by a spring of water in desperate need and incredibly vulnerable. And here the Lord meets her. The angel of the Lord says this line, Where have you come from and where are you going? But do you not think that the Lord already knows exactly where she's come from and where she's trying to go? I think that the angel asks her this, not because he doesn't know, but to help her to externalize for herself what she's doing. Sometimes we can end up so far down a path that we need to have that moment to stop and think, how did I get here and where am I going? But in amongst this mess, the Lord speaks to her so kindly. We read that he calls her by her name. He says, Hagar. To him, she is not just slave or servant as Abram and Sarai would have referred to her. She has a name and he calls her by her name. This is no ordinary person that Hagar has met on the road. This is the Lord who knows her, who has seen her suffering and knows what turmoil she's been through. I don't know about you, but every now and again, I have this fear that there's somebody in the room that can see into my mind, that sort of can read my thoughts and, and almost could expose me. Or imagine kind of if on this projector screen, suddenly we had a lovely rushing image of all the things that you've been thinking today. I don't know about you, but that absolutely terrifies me. Um, but in reality, the Lord already knows these things. It's quite scary to think about that but we're actually already exposed to the Lord. He knows all our faults and failures. He knows everything that's going on in our heads and in our hearts. But against that, despite seeing us for who we really are and knowing our faults and failures, God also has compassion, mercy, and grace to forgive us and to raise us up in righteousness. He says that as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our sins from us, and he has raised us up to come before the throne of God, clean, bearing no sin, and to be embraced as his child. Hagar is seen by the Lord. He has seen all that has happened to her and has compassion on her. Through talking it out, Hagar is able to recognize her wrongdoing and the way she treated Sarai. Hagar is only responsible for her actions in this, but God encourages her to do what is right all the same, to go back and apologize. The Lord directs her to restore what was broken, but also promises protection to her and that in his goodness, he will bless her offspring and they will be great in number. And we do read as the story unfolds that her son is Ishmael, who is, who sort of becomes sort of the the father, really, of, of the Arab people today. That promise is fulfilled. What I want you to take away today is to know that the Lord sees you. He sees you, all the bad things, all the rubbish, and yet he cleanses you from it all if we only ask him. He sees you. He understands you. He gets the complexity of you as a person and knows more about you than you know about yourself. In Psalm 139, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. There is nothing that we can hide from the Lord. Quite a scary thing, and quite a shameful thing maybe sometimes, but it's true, there's nothing that we can hide. In the hands of the Lord, he offers us grace. He sees us, and still he loves us. He sees us, and still he makes us righteous and gives us abundant blessings. Isn't it a wonderful thing that we are not rewarded in accordance with how holy or good we are? I am thoroughly glad for that. Time and time again in the Bible, we see how God saves his people first. He saves them first, and then he calls them to live in accordance with one who has been saved. This was quite a revelation when I first, um, when I first learned about this. So the Israelites were first saved from Egypt, and then God gave them the commandments to say, this is how I want you to live as my people. In the same way, Jesus took the punishment for our sin first, and then called us to live as people who have been saved. We are saved first, and we are called to live as saved people second. In this passage, though, I can both relate to Sarai and to Hagar. I really feel for Sarai, because I know how she feels. And to be honest, I'm still on that journey with God in my own life, where I'd love to have a family, and it hasn't happened yet. Um, and in the, in the pursuit of that, I've messed up a fair amount. Um, so I just want to share something with you. Um, years ago, I got tangled up in the mess of somebody else's marriage. Um, a man I knew was married um, and, was fair to say, was, was quite emotionally abusive to me. He knew my weaknesses and he used them against me as a way of control. Um, to the point where I both, I wanted to please him, but I also feared him and loved him at the same time. And I could give you all the reasons that it wasn't my fault, um, but a bit like I'm sure Hagar could. Um, but at the end of the day, I still hurt someone in my, ability, my inability to stop his attentions and put his marriage and his wife before my own needs for being wanted. Uh, it was an incredibly painful time I felt toyed with. I felt that my desire to be wanted was being fulfilled by the wrong means. I knew that this wasn't okay, that it was wrong, but it was so hard to push away um, something that I really wanted, even though it was in the wrong way. Um, When things eventually came to light, anyway, um, we cut off all contact, um, but at that point, I was just in so much pain. Um, I felt deeply ashamed of what I had done, also heartbroken and just felt the loss all at the same time. But God saw me in that time. He, he knew the pain that I was going through. He knew my weakness and he knew my longing as well. And when I look back, he really did provide for me in that time. Um, he provided a friend for me that had gone through something similar, Um, in the past and was able to guide me and advise me and keep me accountable in that time. And I just had great friends that just gathered around me and loved me. Um, It didn't stop things being painful. And I think that's what I really wanna make clear. The fact that God sees you doesn't stop it being painful. But I know that God saw me in that time and he protected me. He knew my pain and the wrong done to me but also ever so kindly showed me my responsibility and my need to apologize. I'm learning on knowing God's forgiveness in that and I'm working on forgiveness for myself in that and it is a journey, um, one that I'm still, I'm still learning. Hagar says to the angel, you are the God of seeing. Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. The transformational part of this story is not necessarily that God sees Hagar, it's that Hagar sees that God sees her. Transformation in us comes not only from God's character, but when we see God's character, when we recognize who he is, it's our response to God's character that causes that transformation in us. So how are you going to respond to God's character? We've been learning about that over the past few weeks. What have you learned through this series? What's, what's really kind of brought, brought your heart on that journey? And how are you going to respond to it? Our next song is a song that has stayed with me over the years. Um, and I think just one that really just summarizes this, um, yeah, this story through Hagar. Um, My prayer for each one of you, and I have been praying this week, is that you're able to say, I have seen the God who sees me, that we're all able to share in what Hagar says. And I pray that it does transform your life and your view of him, and that you know how precious you are to him. How in those times when you are struggling, when it's really hard, and when you're just in pain, that you are seen You are seen by the Lord and you are loved by him for who you are and he does offer his grace and forgiveness as well. Amen.